Oeherema Yorana. You're listening to Tereva Neyao, the only podcast currently documenting the voices and lives of Tahitian American families and couples, the long distance, the love stories, our lives between Tahiti and the United States of America. We present to you Tereva Neyao. Yorana Oto Patoa e Maeva i episode Ahuru Maono, featuring my friend Terevareva Haunui Jacobson. Tereva has been on Maui for the last two decades, having moved to the state of Hawaii from Tahiti, French Polynesia. Tereva comes from a strong family of cultural practitioners in the dance world of Oriteti. Today, she is a self-made real estate investor, a wife, a mother, and the Fa'atere Pupu, or director, of an all-girls group, Te Ohinui. Please welcome Tereva Reva Haunui. Yorana Tereva, thank you so much for joining me today on the Tereva Neyao podcast. I'm really honored to have you here. Maeva, Manava, and Yorana. Maeva. So Tereva, let's just get started right away. Um, if you could share with us a little about your life uh, from birth to childhood, being raised in Tahiti, French Polynesia. Of course. First of all, thank you for having me on. It's super cool to share. I really get to share about my Tahitian culture or background or my upbringing in Tahiti. So I was born and raised in Tahiti. I have two older siblings. They're much, much older than I am. So I'm the baby of the family. I went to school in town as well. So I'm in Tahiti. I'm considered like your typical city girl. I lived in the city. I went to school in the city. My mom worked for Tefare Tauhitinui or Office Territorial d'Action Culturelle, which is like the government's sort of cultural place and outreach and and they have libraries as well a library for kids and then a separate library for adults they would have a lot of theater and drama things going on and a lot of art so it was super cool to grow up in that environment as well because uh forever my whole life I was exposed to arts like all different arts in Tahiti, dancing, music, painting, sculptures. And my mom worked there my whole life. So every day after school, I was hanging out over there. And thankfully, they have like the kids library. And then when I was older, I would hang out in the adult side library to do my homework and such. That place is located in Tiperui on the like front, front de mer, the end of, of Papeete, sort of right before we hit Fa'a'a and La Herdeo. So I went to school all over, like just like nearby. And in high school, I went to Collège Lamne, which is a private high school, a bit different for me because I didn't grow up in a religious environment, really. So I went to public school and then ended up in a private school. Super amazing. I've got long time, like lifelong friends. I've made my lifelong friends there. And uh, I grew up in the Tahitian culture, in the dancing world, because my entire family are is a family of dancers and musicians and singers. I I say just dance. My focus is on dancing. I don't really have any other talent uh, compared to my family. But basically, that is my upbringing. I used to follow my brother and sister and my mom at all of our practices or their practices. My mom has been in singing groups um, from Kokohota Hota to Heikuranui, Ahutoronui, and also like... Um, 
following my sister. My sister was huge in the dance world. She's one of the younger ones who started in the Heiva at a young age and would win all of the solos every time she would enter. So I definitely, not being a dancer, because I started dancing a lot later than most, but I wasn't a dancer. I was just a witness to it all. And I mean, it was just amazing growing up in that for you know about half of the year it was going to practice it every night and additional training whenever my sister would enter the uh, meilleur danseuse the competition best dancer competition at the Heva, she had additional practices so we'd be at the beach training in the sand uh we would be at someone's house who would kind of put together help her put together uh, her her choreographies so just an, an amazing upbringing in the culture my mom pretty much only spoke tahitian at home our whole family when we get together we pretty much just speak Tahitian so I was blessed that I was able to learn I can't really speak unless I'm deep in it like if I go back for probably two weeks I, I, I'm like right back into it here it's a bit harder however you know translations are not too hard for me nowadays I can you know understand Tahitian pretty well uh, as long as it's not too fancy and it's not too fast but uh, it feels really good to go home and just be immersed back into, you know, your your childhood life. So that's a little bit about my upbringing. Could you share with us your full name? Because it's really long and beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is Terevareva Haunui. It is, uh, I was named after my uncle. My brother and my mother named me after my uncle, my mom's brother. I believe his name is Rivareva, which you know what that is, Rivareva? Is it the from the coconut? Correct. Yeah, from the coconut fronds yeah. or leaves. Right. Uh, and it is our belief that back in the days when chiefs or people would travel between maybe between islands or between villages, if they were holding that somehow, it, it was a sign of peace. So that's what Terevariva is, and then Haunui is great peace or, or or universal peace. So growing up, my mom always told me that my name means messenger or symbol of peace, universal peace, something like that, right? How is peace? Nui is just everywhere or great. Right. No, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And then also, what what is your sister's name that was um, the one that you're you're talking about? My older sister, her name is Heirai. She started dancing at a young age. She was at the, I think she started with Fula, with Louise Kimitete, way back, way back. Mami Louise ended up at the Conservatoire. <clears throat> so then my sister followed her there. And my sister was a dancer at the Conservatoire and with Tati Vanina, Mami Louise. And she, my sister entered Heiva Iteiti. I believe her first year she was dancing with Heikuranui. She was 15 years old. It was 1989. And uh, she entered that year. She won. The next year was in 1992. So three years later. I forget which group she was in. I want to say Temaeva. I think she was with Temaeva. And then in 1995, she was with Ahuturunui. So that year it was under, I forget who was the, the Ra'atira that year for Ahuturunui. I believe it was the four winds that the theme yeah. that year. So 1995. My teacher is the same year as as you guys, Ahuturunui, Papa Gerard Tepehu. He was the he was the uh orero. He he was dressed as a big va'a. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Beautiful year. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think every year is beautiful. <laughs> the Hema is just like so special. Strong, strong family, strong base um, for understanding your culture and your heritage. That's very admirable. I, I love it. Absolutely love it. At what point um, did you end up on your way to, you know, USA or Hawaii? Did you meet your your spouse here or did you meet your spouse over there? How, what was the story that um, led you to Hawaii? At our I believe I was 14 years old. I joined the Les Grands Ballets de Tahiti, and uh, I believe I was a senior. So at Lamney, I was a senior. I think that's 2001, winter of senior year. I think I had just maybe recently left the Grand Ballet. I forget. It was my senior year, so I was kind of really focused on my education at that point. I was not about to not. <laughs> graduate from high school so anyway December 2001 I met my ex-husband he's still one of my best friends today uh he was a musician so he's from Maui auntie Pua who puts together the San Jose Fet she brought a few because she lives here on on in in I think she lives in Hilo or on the big island on Hilo or Kona side must be Hilo. She does a Hilo fed as well. Uh, she put together this group of, I want to say three or four musicians and two young girl dancers, hula dancers, who play strictly Hawaiian music, uh, slack key. She brought this group for a couple of weeks in December of 2001. And they were touring beach, the Beachcomber, Beachcomber in Fa'a'a and then the Beachcomber in Mo'orea. And because it was like Christmas break, they were able to join a bunch of family parties, you know, Tahitian style, like come, you know, let's, let's have a brang. Yeah. Just play music and dance and sing. So they were there and they happened to be at my mom's cousin's home. And I think after a gig, I had a gig at the beach combat, I think I ended up, we ended up going there because we were invited and that's how I met him. And for about a year, we did the back and forth. He would come visit. I would come visit here. And then we had to decide. So a year later, January 2020, oh my gosh, 2020. January of 2003, I officially moved from Tahiti to Maui. It was my last like official trip. And I had, you know, 20, in 2002, I graduated from high school. I also entered the Hava, kind of got everything out of my system and then you know, I was either going to go to France or I was going to come to Maui and I decided to come to Maui. That's how I ended up here 20 years ago. That's amazing. Well, I got, okay, I got to say by appearance, you look close to our age, um, but hearing the years in chronological order, I think you're, you're a bit older than us and you've been in Maui for 20 years. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I'm going to be 39 soon. Oh, okay. No, you're not that much older than us. About the same age. I, I kind of figured around maybe the same age as my oldest brother. Yeah. I think he's 38 or 39. Yeah, I was 18 and a half when I oh, officially moved wow. here. So I, I met I met Ikaika when I was 17. Mm -hmm. Then I graduated right after I turned 18. And then at 18 and a half, I was here. And we got married right after. What was that like for you coming here? Because, you know, the influx of Tahitians that moved to the to Hawaii or United States, I think a lot of them came over decades ago for PCC, and then it kind of just stopped, right? If, if you're not coming over for LDS Church in like Salt Lake City or Laie, there's just not like a big, like, you know, ongoing community that's moving over here. 
So what was that like for you? Because you really, like, I see it like you're a pioneer. You must have done that alone. I don't even know if there's any, I don't know anyone else personally who moved to Maui of all places too, right? So you're even like cut off from the ones on Oahu. And what was that experience for you like? I I think I was extremely fortunate to have moved into an amazing family who, I mean, welcomed, when I say well, they welcomed me with arms, with open wide, opened their home and their hearts. And it it didn't feel difficult, honestly. Uh, first, I am an island girl. So being on an island that wasn't too hard of a, a change. The family that I belong to after after Tahiti was just, you know, all, all love and no judgment. And um, the thing too, I think I was so young at 18 and a half. I, I didn't even know how to drive like because I was like I, said, I was the baby of the, the family. I was babied. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. They actually I do say I do claim that they finished a bit of my upbringing really because they don't know how to drive never really washed my clothes before I mean it was crazy it went from being the baby of the family to kind of being a wife and like having responsibilities in in a matter of months you know that was different and so it made it easy to be in a in in a good family like just like full of love yeah, my ex-husband has siblings and both both parents. We all live together, like one huge house. And we just, you know, started working. Uh, at first I couldn't work, obviously. But yeah, it was, it was honestly, it just wasn't too, too, too hard. I think if I had to move to a bigger city, it, it would have been, I don't know, really, I think it would have been really difficult because I'm, uh, I'm just an island girl and I like the beach and I like nature hikes. I like the mountain, the rivers, the waterfall, all of that. That reminds me of Tahiti. Yeah, It wasn't as hard as it could have been, I would say. And the two main factors were that I moved from an island to an island that reminded me of home and the family that took me in was just an amazing family. Yeah, those are two really smooth transitions for somebody who's coming from Tahiti, right? And being able to be around the natura and, you know, being able to be in the environment that is familiar to you. I, I could totally understand that. And mm-hmm. having hula here. Hula is so oh. prevalent here in Maui, especially in Maui. Mm-hmm. I was in a family of musicians, so they're entertainers. I came from an entertainment background, so... Right. It's just, you know, they're Hawaiian. So like the culture was still like their Hawaiian culture here was still so alive. It just like, I I think that moving from my background to here was a really good transition. Yeah. It sounds like a healthy transition. I, I can, I could see that. The the thing that sticks out to me most though, that I, I really respect and admire is that you're so courageous to leave at 18. That's nuts. I mean, that's super young. So total respect. Yeah. Having gone through that. Yeah. 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 For sure. I think I just followed my heart. So, you know, blinded by love, sort of. Uh, but gosh, thankfully, it wasn't that. <laughs> you know, you could, you get, some people move, you know, and change their whole lives for like the wrong person. And I didn't. So thank, thank goodness. Yeah. That is a blessing. Absolutely. Did you go home often um, after that time? Were you, were you able to go home often? Um, mm-hmm. Yes and no. I had to wait to be able to travel out of the U.S. first. So it took a couple of years. As soon as I was able to, I would go maybe every two years or so for two weeks. And 
uh, I need to go back very, very soon again, because uh, with the pandemic, we just had to stop traveling for a bit. So I guess then fast forward to today, you're a mother and from, you know, what I've read online and seeing your your social media posts, um, pretty successful as an entrepreneur and also as a, as a businesswoman. Can you tell us a little about, you know, some of the activities that you do today? as a mother and as like kind of this um, really well-presented and self-made individual that you've grown to become. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So today I am remarried, uh, became a mom at in 2012. Can't remember. I was like in mid, late twenties, I forget. And I think I was engulfed in the sort of like the American dream, keeping up with the Jones so I was in a lot of financial debt. And then three years ago, kind of had to decide to make a big change. You know, I'm a mom, I have to figure out my life. And so three years ago, I started investing in real estate. And it's been a huge blessing actually for us. And it really aligns with me wanting to be a present mom. It's given me a lot of not necessarily freedom, but a lot of power, like a lot of control over my life and my finances and my time. And I have the huge support of my husband as well. And it also gives me a lot of time to nurture my dance school. Uh, My dance school here is now five years old. And it started, I mean, one super small, two, just an idea, like enough people had asked me to start teaching and I was like ah okay cool let's do it um so in January 2018 is when I opened the dance school started super small and then it grew and it grew over time in August of 2017 I lost my mom so I was raised by a single mom and she raised all all of us kids and because I was a baby I think I had just like even more time with her alone because my siblings had left the home you know probably by the time I was I don't know, eight, nine, 10 years old or so. And then it was just mommy and me, mommy and me, mommy and me. And so we just had a super special bond. And also um, with my mom, it was very much so you focus on your education and you focus on dancing. I got the rest. You you don't worry about anything, basically, right? Monday through Friday, actually Monday through Saturday school. And then every night dancing, whether it was a gig or dance school or practice, rehearsal and practices, and Sunday was kind of like my only day off, uh, maybe each, each days with my classmates. Sometimes I was dancing too on Sundays and then homework and all that. So she really allowed me to live out my dance dreams. She let me lead that, like wherever I wanted to go with dancing, she kind of made it happen. She made my costumes every single weekend. I had one or two new costumes because I had gigs every Friday night and Saturday night. That was her thing. She's super crafty. So when I lost her in 2017, my world crumbled. I I lost the pillars of my life. Um, Although I had a family here and all that, it's just like my roots just like left under me. And uh, that's when I realized I am the last one with her legacy. Her, you know, culture was huge. Dancing was huge. The language was huge. She definitely raised me with a lot of the Tahitian and Polynesian values. Like never really said it, but that was just our way of life. Like this is what we do, you know, like we eat with our fingers. Like Tahiti is fingers. There's no such thing as eating. And it was just normal, right? When you come out of it, you're like, oh, (laughs) that's probably weird for people. But that's just how I grew up. And it wasn't to set ourselves apart. It was just a way of life. There's a huge difference there. Like she didn't hear this and then 
then pushed it on us kids. It was just the way of life. So when she, once she left, there's like my brother and sister are teachers. They're they're still like I would say like culturally um, wholesome, but they're not sharing it. I, at least I, I at least on a at like the school level. I mean, granted they're teachers, so I'm, I'm sure they're sharing quite a bit of their personal. Um, personal values and such as well but anyway I'm like all right so dancing is my thing my mom left I need to give this away now because I am the last one holding that from her and that's how literally I came home and I'm in I came home in August and I'm like mm, let's open a dance school started super small so you know called a few places can I rent a room and teach dancing I just need a big room and mirrors can I teach dancing? I have a speaker, whatever, like, you know, we're just going to do what, what we could. And so that's how it started. It was initially in like the art classroom of a local school here, public school. I was able to rent that out. And then, then we ended up having to find a studio a few months after, you know, and then created like the, the, the older the dance school gets, the more structure we put in. And the thing is for me, dancing is my passion. I mean, I, I, I do a, a, a lot with dancing that will never pay me. I don't know. It's just right. It's, it's your passion. So you, you'll, you'll do it without getting paid. You train on your own. Nobody's asking you to, nobody's paying you to train on your own. So that's what dancing is to me. So the dance school, I don't really treat it like a business or, or, or that I'm not trying to find ways to make more money with it. It is truly a project from my heart and we just need to sustain that. And so that's how the dance school was created. And the funny thing is initially, I never thought that I would do performances, recitals, competitions. But then you see all this potential in your dance school and all, all of these students who exude so much passion and respect and, and desire to learn more, do more, become better dancers. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, like now we've got to do a recital. Now we've got to start entering competition. It's like, it's for them to like, you know, um, just better, be better and, and find their passion and find their voice and build their confidence, all of that. The dance school became a bit of that therapy for me. I, I truly believe that it was my way of like processing a huge loss in, in my life. Then I realized that my life could have gone many ways. When I was a, a teenager, I was just around a lot of things that, that, are, that aren't necessarily healthy. And probably, you know, as I hear, to, I mean, we, are, we hear everywhere, teenagers and, and I mean, young kids go through a lot of, no, no, not mental issues. That's not really, maybe depression at a young age. And right, we know peer pressure, being a teenager, growing up anywhere in the world, I think, especially like developed societies we we can go through a lot of things mentally and I truly believe that dancing saved me from all of that I never drank I never smoked never did drugs so I see dancing like my passion and love for dancing completely supported by my mom is what kept me in this really healthy bubble growing up as tough of, as things were, whether, it, you know, people around me at school or how, how hard school was just education, trying to, um, trying to not necessarily excel, but do a good job at school. Like all of that pressure was basically sort of relieved every single day because I got to dance, um, express myself, like 
you know, I had, um, I think I used to be considered a bit of a, bit of a angry dancer growing up. And just, you know, that was my I don't know, outlet, I guess, because of everything that dancing provided me that I only realized much later, like just recently that, you know, that's like, in addition to seeing just like the potential, if, if, if I'm going to help one girl build confidence, if I'm going to help one girl love herself more, love her body more, like, you know, not be not necessarily ashamed, but not be shut down by society because she loves her body. She loves expressing herself. That's the, the satisfaction that I get from teaching. That is everything about the dance school. That's such a beautiful story and absolutely like such a strong, like a lineage to, you know, link back that your students have all that passion, all that focus that your mom had basically put your all into. And now you're giving it back. I mean, that's just absolutely beautiful i love it i love hearing that it just makes me even more of a fan right we already saw mm-hmm. videos when you were starting um very empowering to see that happen right because i think you and then i think you're friends of her too but julie charles she started her group in las vegas oh yeah julie. And, yeah yeah you know seeing see oh. seeing vahine um from tahiti or vahine maohi start their groups is very empowering to see and gave my wife um, a lot of hope when she saw that, like, oh, thank God people are opening their groups and, you know, sharing our, you know, well, she said our, she meant her, our culture with with other people, right? I love seeing that too. That's absolutely mm-hmm. makes me have hope, hope for the next generation. So I, I, I like, uh, I was lucky to have been brought up in a f- cultural family, um, right? My mom is half Tahitian and, but she was raised by her Tahitian mom as well absent dad and then her stepdad is also full Tahitian so she was raised in the culture and then she raised all three kids as a single mom also just raised us that way so I think that there are others out there not I think I know that there are other people out, out there especially in Tahiti who are maybe I would call them like stronger practitioners in a sense I'm not saying better or you know I'm not comparing that like you know, my, my heart is full with, with that. So with my knowledge and my inheritance of the Tahitian culture, my heart is full, uh, but I'm not, um, I'm not blind also to the fact that I could probably do more or learn more at least. So I know that we have like really stronger, uh, much stronger cultural practitioners in Tahiti. And it's just so, so beautiful to see that we have so many people holding on to that and perpetuating that in Tahiti or outside of Tahiti, one thing that I admire also is that, I don't know how to call this, like, um, we are not necessarily in it for the money. We are in it to, uh, you know, it's been so good to us that we want to give all of it as well. So yeah, I don't know why I came to say this, but I, I think in a sense, like I'm, especially because remotely I'm, I'm not as, as strong of a culture practitioner for sure, but everything that I know and have, it, all the knowledge that I have, I for sure share it. The only thing that I regret is um, because my mom did everything. I also didn't really learn how to cook. So I don't really cook, know that I can, I can cook, I can, I can make ma'ateiti. It would just take me a little longer. So I that's like my first thing when I go home. I'm like, just just make me ma'ateiti every day and I'm a happy camper, you know? I mean, you're so humble to say that, right? Even, even as I'm over here, like giving you credit and all that, 
you're like throwing it back to the practitioners in Tahiti. I just want to say though about that is what I throw back at you in a sense is that, but the respect is high because you're so far from home. You can't even go directly from Maui to Tahiti, right? You have to go through Oahu yeah. or go, you know what I mean? So the journey to go back home to gather what you need, to refresh your cultural knowledge and the memory that you have. Because I'm sure every time you go home, memories get activated. That happens for Vedea. She hasn't been here as long yep. as you, but she's been gone for a while. And then she'll go home and like um, an aunt will bring up something and then she'll she'll remember like that. And then, you know, br- be able to bring it home. And it's like, oh, you didn't think of it before. And she says, no, I didn't think of it until so-and-so reminded me that when we were young, we did this or whatever, what have you. So I just want to give you major props yeah. because you're so far you're so far and like i was saying earlier i to my knowledge you're the only well you're the only tahitian i know in maui i don't know a lot of people in maui but but we don't hear about you know other tahitians in maui like we do on oahu there's even more i think in big island and so i, I guess that was my next question is, oh me i i haven't really met anyone on big island yeah see i i don't even know if any more right but my my next question for you was going to be that is, have you met anyone in Maui that's also from Tahiti? Yes, I think we just kind of end up finding each other, you know, like there's, we're not that many at all uh, compared to Oahu probably. But uh, uh, I used to work at a bank too. I would meet Tahitian people there. Some are just passing, some like we're moving over. Uh, so yeah, we actually have a, this little group of like, we're a, a few girlfriends from Tahiti and uh, of all ages. Uh, but a super cool thing is this girl, she's a couple years younger than me. Her name is Mahana Moa. And she is Madeleine Moa's grandniece. And her and I, like her parents, we're dancers with Timaiva. So her and I were the little kids playing with the rocks and whatever, running and running, uh, driving the adults crazy, you know, at every practice, whether we're making too much noise or like we're running through the dancer. Oh my gosh. Anyway, we got a lot of scoldings from everyone. But her and I just grew up in that as well, in, in the dance world. You know, we, we were the like the side watchers, sort of. So, like I said, my siblings are much older than I. So her parents are kind of like my siblings' uh, generation. She then I found her here. She actually was on Oahu first for school, and then she moved to Maui and stayed on Maui. And uh, we have similar similar stories as why we ended up in Hawaii. And today we dance together. She's a student of mine, sort of. Uh, so we dance together. We even do gigs together. And she lives maybe 10, 15 minutes from me. And she is a she's a much better social butterfly than I am. So she also introduced me to more Tahitian people here. And uh, we try to get together. Like we have maybe once or twice a year, we'll have like, hey, let's go beach. And, you know, everybody just bring a dish or something potluck style. And it's just for us to be together. And super cool because it, it does feel good. And I my friends are blessed that they do get to go home more often than I do. Um, and so, you know, when I'm around them, like we just speak French or Tahitian, we eat Ma'atehiti, um, and we will make glaze, like the Tahitians, you know, like we'll just do Tahitian things, play Tahitian music. And that like, ooh, that rings so well in your ear, you know, after you're away from it. And um, that just brings us so much warmth back into your heart. And like, it feels good. There's, there's nothing like it. anyone, um, 
wherever however you grew up whether it's on an island or not on an island like when you go home or when you feel the feeling of being home it, there's nothing like it like I, I don't care what your past looks like but there's nothing like the feel of home when you've been away from home for so long yes so definitely this little community here where and we try to get together um something super cool is I have girlfriends who uh, their sisters I think that is American and mom's Tahitian and they have daughters and the sisters live like together in the same property with their daughters so their daughters are fluent in French because the parents so their moms speak French to each other and then their their mom's mom will come visit all the time so they're just always like speaking French or Tahitian so these girls are like fluent French and they can't even write in French so I'm like oh I wish I had that you know my daughter understands it she's like she they understand but will answer in English only for the most part But yeah, so I'm like, oh, it's so, I'm like, this is why I need to hang out more with my Tahitian friends so that my daughter can be around French more, you know, or Tahitian more. That's awesome. That's really awesome that there's like a little community in Maui. I had no clue at all, but I'm really glad that you bring that to our attention. Oh man, Vaidea is going to be so jealous when she hears that because out here is just her. So, you know, I'm always, yeah, I'm always having to bring her to LA to visit, you know, the mamas and uh, the sisters that she found down there. Um, it's it's mostly women. Sounds like it's similar in Maui. It's it's mostly women that um, you know, like similar story, married somebody from here. Um, or like you like you mentioned, if if it's a person whose parents, you know, are like that. So they they grew up here maybe, but that's wonderful. Um, and then have you so your daughter does understand and then she answers in English, but is she also dancing and how is she learning the culture at home from you? Mm, okay. So my husband is Hawaiian. I definitely pushed French a lot more before when, when she was younger because they're just sponges. Um, now I can speak almost anything and everything like the everyday things, you know, I can speak to her and she'll kind of get it right. They gather a couple words and she's like, oh, okay, yeah, brush my teeth. Oh, okay, clean my room kind of thing. Um, she doesn't want to dance yet. I, have, I still have hope because I started dancing at 13 years old. So I still have hope. Uh, she's 10 years old. So doesn't want to dance. She's in sport. Um, and my husband, although Hawaiian, he was born and raised in San Diego. So he didn't get as much of the Hawaii culture into, into his life. His mom was is from here, Maui. So when we got together, you know, and we had her and then it came time to put her in school, we were like, okay. Like you and I are not the strongest in our Polynesian side of the culture. You know, I'm a dancer and I, I do what I can. I just I think I'm not like the most, as far as culture, like culture is huge, right? The tea in culture is huge. It's not just the dancing. It, there, there's so much, there's va'a, there's language, there's food. I don't have the rest of that. Um, and I'm not fluent in Tahitian. So also that, so then we decided to put her in the Hawaiian immersion school here. So she got her first like few years of school was all in Olelo Hawaii. And we all, were also required to take uh, weekly classes so that we could Olelo at home. So I, I'm definitely not, and I'm not really the type anyway to like push anything on someone, period. I just do life and they pick up what they pick up. I feel like it might be kind of like my mom where she didn't push anything. It was just the way of life, kind of, you know. It is, uh, she's not really into dancing. It's just, I think, my, just my way of life. I have my values and I have the utmost respect for the Hawaiian culture and our Tahitian culture. And there are things that we don't do 
because it's our culture. There's no rules here. Nobody's going to tell us that we do it this way or we don't do it that, that way. But I choose to live my life in certain ways. And I choose to believe certain beliefs that are cultural beliefs. And that's just how we live. And later on, it'll make sense. And if she wants to pursue her culture, she will be able to, and she will have our full support. And then now she's in Kamehameha schools, which is different from the Hawaiian immersion. However, they do, they still do a lot of the cultural Hawaiian things in that school. It's not quite as prevalent as in the Hawaiian immersion school. I'm super thankful for it, for that as well. And uh, I had a conversation with my sister about when I thought it was like getting ready to get into a school. You know, I could tell, I, I talked to her. I'm like, you know, English, we can teach her English. Like we really want to put her in that school. And it's not just the language. It's like the culture because Hawaiian immersion, it's a cultural school. It's not just doing homework in Olelo, Hawaii. It is being around an entire community and and practicing hula and practicing the, the beliefs of the, of the Hawaiian cultures and being aware of all the deities here, you know, of, of your culture. So I thought that was a huge aspect um, that I wanted. And also because of my knowledge of Hawaiian, Tahitian culture and my knowledge uh, of the Hawaiian culture, not extensive in either aspect, but the little that I know, they're so correlated. We have similar gods, we have similar beliefs, we have similar ways of life, and obviously the language. I felt personally, if she at least got get, gets raised in Hawaiian culture and Hawaiian values, she will have that and it will not be a cultural clash should we ever start being getting bigger or deeper into the Tahitian culture or the Tahitian language. So I do speak to her in Tahitian, the very little things that I, not that I remember, but that I can use daily. Um, we, I do uh, speak in Tahitian, honest to her, but it's very minor. French is way more than Tahitian. I think it's great though that you push it on her. Although I know I could tell that you want her to dance, right? And I, I believe there's hope too. I really do. Um, you know, oh gosh, it, it was my my <laughs> dream to have a daughter and then have a dancer daughter. <laughs> but yeah. I take the daughter right now. Yeah. <laughs> People always ask me about that. About you know, we have two boys, and they always ask us like, "How come you're not putting them in a group?" And I I always tell them, I say, it's not really. First off, for anything Tahitian, even though I I lived over there for a while and been over there, I say anything Tahitian, I let my wife decide because she's the one who's Tahitian. But I, but I also tell them, I said, you know, for them, they don't really force their kids to do anything. They just, they kind of just make it available. And then if the kid picks it up, then it's an even better story, right? Because then the kid chose to do that. It wasn't like forced or anything. So that theme mm -hmm. that you have, or that story that you have, um, the situation with your daughter is, is a very um, common theme with other Tahitian households, even in Tahiti, I feel like I've seen it. You know, they're they're not pushing like my niece. She's about the same age as your daughter. They're not pushing uh, Ori Teiti on her, even though they've asked her, do you want to go to the school nearby? Do you want to dance in the Heva de Zeko? You know, and then she's like, no, I want to do MMA. <laughs> so, oh, you yeah. And honestly, although there are thousands and thousands and thousands of dancers in Tahiti, there are also thousands and thousands of people who, who do sports who have who don't dance, you know, and that doesn't mean that they're not aware of their culture. Like I went to school, I went, yeah, I went to school with people who um, were into sports, like, I don't know, bike, but like cycling or va'a, hoe va'a, it's just other things. But because the way of life is very cultural in Tahiti, it's like, you're not, you're not plucked out from the culture. 
because you don't dance or you don't drum or you don't play the ukulele like because you're not doing these things that are like typical typical tahitian you're still the culture is just so alive over there so i i don't think you need to push it that much and here as well i feel like the whole culture is still here and alive that we don't really really need to push too much on 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 our daughter i could see it maybe in the states you know um because there's no polynesian culture really over there compared to here you know over here i don't know who lies everywhere you know everybody dances everybody's got a gig everybody's making a lay everybody's making costumes every week there's so many shows here you know it's like it's, this is our life here where and because i'm an entertainer um she's very well aware of the lifestyle like i i dance almost every day i've got a gig or i've got to teach and on saturdays i'm gone all day and that's that you know that's just that's life and thank you for sharing that too. I feel like our listeners who are, you know, outsiders like me, they need to hear that that it, the culture is not just the dance. The culture is also the hoiva'a. The... Hoiva'a is not just dancing. There's right. singing. The most beautiful group. I don't know if there would be. They would be considered choirs, or they're not bands. But anyway, it's like so yeah, I know what unique. You mean. <laughs> yeah, you, you've been to Heva, so you you know that. And actually, the Heva starts with Heva Tuago, and then Heva. No, rimai, which is crafts. Rimai is all the crafts that everybody makes with everything that's available in nature. And then you've got heivatuaro, which is the sports and like the traditional sports. And like schools in Tahiti have like mini heivatuaro, just like, oh, their own school. Like they'll, you know, like the kids will get to experience that or traditional games. It's just, um, yeah, heiva is not just dancing. It is just because it's so like oh wow like that's you know like the the fast hips or the, all the tricks on the ground like that's athletically pleasing to the eye and and as a dancer right like our beautiful vahine is dancing it's so pleasing to the eye that is what got what got plucked away from the heva but it's just way more than than it is it's like weeks and also it starts with the miss tati you know we get to pick our miss tati our miss heva and they are the heva every night representing tahiti anyway it's just the whole thing right and it's different no yeah i'm I'm glad that you're defining that for folks listening to this so that they they understand and hear from more than one person you know it, it's yes. definitely it's more than you know just the dancing on stage it's all those things you mentioned and and even your appreciation for the himene groups those that's I could tell you've, you know, well, you, like you said, your mom was part of those, but um, yeah, I agree with you that those are beautiful and those need to be kept, um, you know, respected, well-respected because sometimes the younger crowds and especially people outside of Tahiti, they don't appreciate it as much. But I was just telling a friend the other day, I said, if you ever listen to what they're singing about, the lyrics are very simple, but the themes are really intricate. The story behind the mm-hmm. song is really deep and they tell you now they share with you in the newspaper um you know they have like the tv guidebook it shows all the tumupura for all the groups the himene and the dancing so thank you for making that point because mm-hmm. i i feel like people need to hear that from somebody over there and then you know wrapping that up i i know you mentioned what y'all do on maui but you know as we're trying to bridge together these communities so you folks in maui and the folks on oahu and the folks in california just this tahitian diaspora um thinking about like not even maybe because we're doing work on our own to like talk to each other we have our little facebook group we have this podcast um you do things with your peers to meet up but what do we do for the kids what do we do for our kids that are you know they're they have tahitian ancestry heritage 
And how do we build that community for them? You know, the Hawaiians, the Samoans, the Tongans, they have strong communities inside their, you know, outside their homeland. And for our community, for the Tahitian American community, um, what do you think is best moving forward for the next generation? You know, how do we bridge them together? That's an amazing, amazing question. I think that you're somebody that I would look to, to, you know, ask the right questions. If, if my kids, if my kids and your daughter, they're at our age now, you're somebody I would say, ask Auntie Tereva. She got together at the folks on Maui, you know, this and that, like that, that's what I would kind of say, but you know, what would you then tell the, the next generation of how they're supposed to look at each other as family or as a community? I think a couple of, of things. As parents, we're going to start in the household, instilling, you know, the values that we grew up with. That's going to be one. Secondly, if you are someone who is involved culturally with a cultural activity, bring the kids, bring the kids along. Like that's how, that's how kids are going to pick up on things because they hang out with their parents and that's how, you know, they're going to pick up on something. Um, involve the kids, not necessarily as a task but just as a watcher like at least i i see that with with a lot of kids like they're just watching their parents do this or that i side note i had a couple of like tahitian girls students you know young 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 girls and their parents are not dancers their attraction to oritati i think is a bit different one of my girls her her parents are jewelry makers um and so i wouldn't be surprised if she totally picks up on that art of but like like tation jewelry right so she's gonna pick up on that our black pearl is like you know a it's not a staple a huge representation of tahiti and like the beautiful black pearl so her parents have that yeah i just i most of my friends are not dancers my friends my little community here other than mahana I'm sure when Mahana has children, she's going to, she lives very much like culturally as well, Mahana. So I don't know. So I think it's, so it's going to start at home in, in the family unit or like in the household. Someone's going to create something. And I think at least my experience, which isn't extensive, but my experience with all the Heva, at every Heva we out here, we do like, if we're Tahitian, we're going to migrate to each other. So Whenever I'm, I'm at a Hava and my, even if we're not even friends, we don't even know each other, but someone knows that I'm Tahitian or they'll come up and like, Hey, you know, let's hang out, let's go eat or whatever. And then we, you know, talk about my, most people will know my mom and, or my sister or someone that I've danced with. But anyway, uh, we're going to get together and we're just going to talk about Tahitian things and, and our kids being there, witnesses and, and watchers of this, and it's gonna it's going to bring that together. But I think the states like like Tahiti is a tiny island, and that's how a tiny island with thousands and thousands of cultural practitioners. That is how is staying really strong and alive. How the culture is strong and alive. Where dancing is strong and alive. Outside of Tahiti, it's going to take effort. Uh, you know, I feel like, you know, when we have these poly festivals or the Aloha festival and stuff where they bring Polynesians or Pacific Islanders to it. I I have, a, I kind of feel like Tahiti isn't like strongly, strongly represented, but I, I've never been to one. So <laughs> I don't really know. Uh, but like maybe there are Tahitian halals or dance schools that will perform, but are they Tahitian? Maybe, maybe not. But I guess like, like the actual Tahitian people to be there and show up and, and do 
something, whether it's a performance or whether it's having a booth of Tahitian food, something like whatever kind of presence we can have, you know, and like the, the, the guys that are just showing up to these events, not really knowing they're like, oh, it's a Pacifica event or it's a Polynesian event. Let's just see what it is. Boom. They'll go and like, look, there's, there's the Tahitian booth. Let's go and let's talk to them. And then we're going to get to meet all the Hapa or all the actual Tahitians and like their kids. So I think it outside of Tahiti, it just takes a lot more effort. And, you know, I, I, I sure could do more. I, I feel like I could do more. Uh, our Tahitian community isn't huge here, but this is like something small that I, I don't know if it's really helping, but I am bringing Tahitian teachers to do workshops here. It attracts dancers, uh, but, but I just had Hirohiti here a couple of weeks ago, and he is of my siblings and mom's generation, so not necessarily generation, but they dance together, right? So he is like a generation above me of, of dancers and cultural practitioners. And I can tell you that of everyone I've had here, he exuded that love. Just different. When he talks about dancing, it's like there's just like this heat coming from him and like his face smiles and he's like you know about this and about that like it's so like there and it was so it felt so good just being in his presence and just listening to him and learning and hearing what he's done it, it just it, it was different so it felt good uh, to be with him and it's like that like he's bringing that little extra thing is to me, it's like the love for the culture and the passion for the culture and the Tahitian dance that kind of came out of him. And we all felt it. We really all felt it while he was here. Those are really, <laughs> well, you're, you're always so humble when you respond, but those are really great points you made. Because at first you you were like thinking about how you're responding and then it, it sounded like, you know, you were figuring out your answer, but actually you have a lot of good ideas. Those are, those are great. You know, um, I think that the, what you said about it starting in the household and just setting the example is, is exactly how it should be. So I really, really want to thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, and are you the moderator of the Facebook group? I'm one of them. Group? That group page, like we're not extremely active in it, but it does feel good when someone like posts that one little thing. I think the one thing I posted was, um, <laughs> we call it pota punupuatro, which yeah. is corned beef and bok choy. Man, I grew up with that. Like, I could eat that like once or twice a week. That was just, and I know how to make it. Thank goodness, the one thing I know how to make. Um, it's not Tahitian food, but it's like that. It's that one local thing that a lot of people in Tahiti, you know, eat. And um, yeah, it just feels good. Like it just kind of brings thinking. It's like this this picture will show up on your feed, and you're like, it just right. takes you back to like all these memories. Some will be cooking with their parents. Some will remember making it. I don't know, but yeah, it's super cool. So perhaps also growing that a little bit is uh, I think it just takes work, right? Work yeah. and time to, to put something together. Yeah, it does. And and you're right, because compared to here in Hawaii, we have a lot of Micronesians. They like are pretty tight and there are a lot of Tongans and Samoans and my understanding, well, not my understanding, the family values in the Tonga culture, it is 10 eggs. I was just talking yesterday to a Tongan girl and they take care you could be like the cousin's daughter's cousin's child. They're going to take care of you. Like it, it goes far, far, far. Um, in Tahitian culture, I don't, not like, or not tight, but it's just, you know, different, I don't know, different look into like 
the the, the ties with the family but I think like, like they're, they're a lot stronger and I feel like they do have like events and such as well as here there are what is it called Sunday churches churches that are all in Tongan all in Hawaiian all in Samoan and they sing and they wear their traditional you know clothes and stuff so uh, I think we could do a lot more um, it, it will have to come from you know a couple of people putting the work in and just like putting their brains together and ideas together to create something outside of, of Tahiti. But is there really a need? Is there like, so for you, like I'm Tahitian, right? I, I give to my daughter what I give. I give to my students what I give. Right. But you not being from Tahiti, but being married to a Tahitian person, and you have your children. And I, I can right. only imagine like, you're like, I, you know, like I love my wife. I love the Tahitian culture. I'm a dancer. I want my kids to like experience this because it gave me so much. So I I can really see like where that comes from and how you would love to find those ways to, to create this, what, whatever it is, this community, this stronger bond or this perpetuation, you know, through your children, like what can we do so that our children feel it and perpetuate it? Um, I would love for my daughter to go spend summers in Tahiti and experience that. Just follow my family around. And if they go to the Hava, great. If they don't, they'll, if whatever they do, you know, right. it doesn't have to be a whole experience and a, a tourist trip, but just living with them. I'm just, uh, me personally, I'm just a mama bear and I have a hard time like letting my daughter go for anything, but it yeah. would be my dream for her to spend time. And actually my my friends here, my other friends, you know, they, they go to Tahiti so often that it's not really a need. Like they'll go, I don't know, four, 10 times a year for a week or two. Boom. Mm-hmm. You know, like the kids are just like, oh, we're in Tahiti. This is life in Tahiti. And then we come back and like, this is life here. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I do bring them back often. Um, we go about three times, two or three times a year. The The problem here is that um, I brought Vedea to this kind of like Oriteti community, but she didn't meet or see any other Tahitians here you know so it felt really good when she did meet the Tahitians that are in LA because it was like it wasn't even dance related it was just like a like what you what you talked about before like a family feeling just being able to speak the language just talk to each other about things that are familiar maybe you know the same people maybe even related and you know that that for me maybe at every Hava we should have a a Tahitian thing at every Hava like a Tahitian gathering like let's just all get together yeah, yeah. if you're Tahitian Hapa Tahitian come let's just do something that's, that's what it. we want to do yeah we want to organize that we had one in LA I wish I wish your family and others in Hawaii could have come but we want to try to plan one in on Oahu or in in Hawaii when we can and that's the thing like that's why we started the group I'm one of the moderators but the other two moderators um are women like you. I think you even know them. One, well, one is Julie, the other is uh, Heyani. And so um, I think she had she had written to you in the group talking I about- I might know Heyani. Yeah, she, I think you guys went to school at the same time or something like that, but um, they're like Vedea. So I connected Vedea with them when she moved because she came in 17 and there was nobody, nobody else. So I tried to connect her with who I could and we were so happy right. we joined in. And I remember when you posted the food. I also remember the story you told us- um, you had written about it. You shared with us a story about, um, I think mom was having a hard time because you were dancing with Keita Fiti and your sister is with Heikuro Nui. And so, <laughs> and I, I hope you don't mind me sharing that on the podcast. No, no. Yeah, it was just, um, we were reading that laughing because uh, her her original group, my wife's original group was Keita Fiti, but much later on than you, she was with them in 09. 
And then me, my original group when Tahiti was Hekuro Nui, but much later than your sister, it was like 2013, first time I went with them. So um, we were reading that and laughing because we were trying to imagine. We said, oh my God, even going to practice, one group practice in the evening is a lot of hard work to drive there after dinner, to sit around and wait, to listen to what they're saying, you know, all those things, even as a spectator. So we were trying to imagine your mom in that situation. It sounded crazy. <laughs> yeah and i i'm pretty sure my sister got to kind of catch rides and stuff or maybe i don't know if she had her own car that but that was 1998 that i was in kate Fiti, so i was 15 and my sister was 25 and you know most times my sister so my sister went to college in france and in new zealand she would literally come back for the summer and then they like she would just get thrown into a group like at the like in may or something like something crazy and she would just like oh okay let's you know let's dance boom it's it was cute because I think my, you know, my mom, that's, dancing is my mom's like passion. Also, my mom was a dancer back in the days when nobody talked about dancing. That's when my mom was dancing. Like it was, it wasn't forbidden, but it was extremely frowned upon. Right. So that's when my mom, my mom was dancing. So by the time we were born, she was like, you girls are dancing because this is accepted. And all. Like I didn't get to do this. So you girls will get to. So my practices were in Fa'a'a and my sister's practices, Heikuranui is like in Tiperi, which is right across the Toata, the elementary school, Toata. No, yes, Toata on that field. So is it Vomba Pastore? I forget the name of that like sports, little sports complex, but it's in Tiperi. And yeah, I just remember like we were, I don't know, at some kind of college, you know, in the gymnasium of a college practicing every yeah. night. Uh, so yeah, I don't know how my mom did it, but she just made it happen. And then, you know, I'm sure my sister could figure out like rides and whatever. She was in her 20s already. She was old enough. So, but, but yeah, it was not that, but also the costume making. We were spoiled. Like I never made a costume in my life, but never. And my mom made all of our costumes. Even my sister, she didn't really make costumes. So yeah, funny, not funny, but funny. It is funny. I can picture you, you know. Yeah, it, I, I think you and your wife would do the same for your, if you had, both your sons <laughs> were in like dancing. Yeah. And you had to stay up for 48 hours to make their costumes or yeah. Yeah. In a heartbeat. I sing in a heartbeat. Right. I can tell you, it's super hard for me to be a sports mom because she, my daughter's in a couple of sports. I'm like, I don't understand sports. I don't understand, you know? Yeah. I would understand dancing for sure. Like you'll right. never miss a practice. You'll never <laughs> miss a performance. I will make, I will learn how to make costumes, but sports, tell me where, when, and what to pay. I don't, different, right? So, right. Right. When you have parents who are passionate too, like that really helps. Um, and I can see like, you know, even in my students, I've got parents who not necessarily are passionate, but they were dancers when they were young. So they understand the dance world. The parents who don't understand, it's kind of a little like, oh, just tell me where and when and, and how much, you know, like that's, they're just, I just, I'm going to be there for my kid, but I don't understand it. I don't know what she requires. You tell me what she needs and we'll make it happen because she loves it. You know, so it's just different levels of like commitment, but it, you know, it, different when you have the passion in your heart it's different i i truly truly mean this when i say this but i wish you and your school to be around for until you can't keep going anymore because <laughs> it is no seriously because it to me it hearing that story and hearing your story about te ohinui is um very humbling but also i could just see that your mother would be so proud because you kept alive what all those years yeah. and all those stories and all those things she had to do, all those costumes. Imagine all the time she pricked her finger at the needle, all worth it for you to pass it on. 
all worth yeah. it for you to exude that love and pass it on to your students. I just wanted to tell you that Tereva, it's it's really it's really heartwarming to hear that, and I mean that seriously, especially now as a, as a father, um, you know, to 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 two maohi half maohi children, um, that really means something to hear from someone like yeah. you who's doing the work. Um, we we tried doing an all boys group for a while, and you know it it worked out. We entered a competition, but it, we don't have a school like you, so to hear this from you is very humbling and. Um, it, you know, it makes me think about, um, what direction I want to take it in for my own children. So today, I just want to thank you so much. I, I want to thank you for your time, for opening up about so many personal things, but just for your spirit. Yeah. Just, just for sharing so much, like really feel from you, like a lot of genuine vibes and, um, a lot of love for, you know, how much you've, how much love your mom passed on to you and your siblings. It's, it's, it's alive still today, even if mom's gone it's alive today in your group. It's alive in what you do. So thank you so much, Tereva. No, like that's the nicest thing anyone could tell me. And I, I know everyone's aware of it, but just the you very eloquently put it together. The cool thing that you mentioned, my my, my our mom lo loved her culture and loved us so much that she passed it on. Today, I go to my brother and sister for help. Like I need to translate this. What is the meaning? A lot of songs are poetic. So I'm, you know, my brother's a bit there, my sister, we call her Kino. I'm like, oh, what is, I don't understand. Like I can translate it word for word, but I know that there's a hidden meaning and, you know, it, it's super cool to, to be able to, for me to now have to go, I, I have to go to my sibling, right? Like I don't have mom to translate anymore to help me with stuff. But yeah, I just, for sure. I just recently, especially after Hilo came by, I was like, oh man, I just kind of felt that. And I... I'm pretty sure she, it was a huge wish for her of hers to get me to open a dance school here. Um, but I think back then, okay. So, you know, like I said, dancing saved my life. Dancing was very selfish for a long time because I'm an entertainer and like I'm, I'm when I'm on stage, it's extremely satisfying. So it was very personal. And then once I lost her, that's when I'm like, I have to like give this out to as many people as I can and whoever can grasp on it will be able to do something with it hopefully but yeah thank you for saying that it was very that made me very emotional to our tahitian community out there maybe this could extend to polynesian or pacifica community we have some of the richest most beautiful cultures that exist today we shall not lose our values for being lack of better words perhaps oppressed we shall not use our values our culture, and we shall not let people shut us from expressing ourselves in a respectful way. We are some of the most respectful cultures out there that, that exist in this world. If you look back, we are extremely respectful. We're, we're strong believers. We're extremely smart because everything was oral and verbal back in the days. Today, we use probably just 0.2% of the brain that our ancestors have had to use their whole lives. So remember that. Never, ever, ever forget the strength and the richness that you come from. And even if all you do is teach your children or share with your children the tiny bit of your cultural inheritance, you are part of the perpetuation of your inheritance. So to all out there, never stop, never ever stop living your way of life because it's the most beautiful culture that we hold in our hearts.